join me in the litany of invitation and confession. We are so happy to be part of the family of God. No matter who we are or what we've done, God loves us. May we be the people you have called us to be. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. Praise God, a reading from the Psalms. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wonderful works he has done his miracles, and the judgments he has uttered. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. Dear God, we pray for your wonderful works. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating us. We pray for those in need at this hour, both those in our church and those in our world. We pray for the homeless and the refugees, that they would get shelter and food. Help move us to be good neighbors to them. We pray for the children and the parents separated at the border. May they be reunited today. We pray for the end of violence and war. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul passes on the story of communion, a reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took loaves of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here ends the second lesson. Children, if you can join me at the front, please. There we go. We have some. Good morning. Good morning, Isaac. I'll be back some more time. Very glad to see you here today on this Labor Day weekend. Glad that you're in town. So later in the service today, the congregation is going to be having communion. So I thought it would be good if we talked a little bit about the parts of a communion service when we um, celebrate the Lord's Supper. So before Jesus died on the cross, he had a very special dinner, a special meal with his disciples, followers. And this was a special time for them to be together. And um, at that dinner, after he, after he thanked God for the bread and the wine, he passed it to his disciples, and he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, or remember me when you do this. So um, I need your help now to, to, so that we can practice parts of the service so that when you are in service, when there is communion, you'll, you'll be a part of what's going on. So one of the parts of the communion service or the Lord's Supper is when we pass the peace. So sometimes you'll hear it say, um, the peace of Christ be with you, okay? And in some congregations, they, they shake hands with somebody beside them. Sometimes we just look at the person beside us and say, peace of Christ or peace be with you. Can you look at somebody beside you and say, peace of Christ, peace be with you? Good. All right, so that's one part. And that reminds us that um, God wants us to get along and wants us to be kind and share peace throughout his world. Another part of the communion service is when Pastor Daniel or Pastor James lifts the bread or lifts the cup so that the rest of the congregation can see it. Can you lift the bread or lift the cup? All right. And so this is telling us that something very holy and very special is taking place. Now, when we sometimes you'll see the pastor lift the bread and then he will gently break it. Can you? lift your pretend piece of loaf of bread and gently break it okay and this reminds us that we are part um, of a world that is fragile and that some people are feeling sad or broken so it helps us know that god and jesus are with us at this time um, the pastor will bless the bread and sometimes when we receive it we hold our hands like this can you have your hands like this and this shows that we are ready to receive God's gifts and God's blessings. As opposed to taking them, we are receiving them from him. And in service, you will see the pastor say that all are welcome to this table. Can you spread your arms out? All are welcome at this table. And this reminds us that we are all part of the body of Christ. So we are invited to the table. So, um, so if you will pray with me, can you repeat after me? Dear God, 
thank you for, for being present with us in a very special way. During the Lord's Supper and always. Amen. Jesus shares table fellowship with his followers, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. And when it was evening, he took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. And Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
I tell you, I will never drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Some years ago, I was taking a class that was helping me uh, to prepare for the Tennessee bar exam. And on the way to that class one morning, I rear-ended a car that was in front of me. I guess it's hard to rear-end a car that's behind me. (laughs) I took my eyes off the road for just a moment, but you know, there weren't any injuries and there wasn't even real damage. But the police were called, and the officer showed up, and he, he still wrote me a ticket. You know what the ticket said? Following too closely. And I about had a panic attack when I got that ticket, because I was trying to get my law license. And I thought, oh, well, they'll never give me the law license now. I, I stammered to the police officer, is, is this a misdemeanor? And he laughed. He said, no, sir, it's just an ordinance. I got to law school and I pulled that ordinance. Section 62-113. It didn't sound so bad, I thought. Anyway, I went to court, got it dismissed. No real consequences. After all, it was just an ordinance. And I thought about that story this week. Because we Baptists, we sometimes use the word ordinance to describe baptism and communion. And calling something an ordinance, at least to me, has never, it's never sounded too life-giving. I mean, because an ordinance is one of two things. It's either a law passed by a municipal authority or it is a prescribed religious ritual. And if communion is nothing more than an ordinance, then we might just do communion by going through the motions, you know? The rationale for partaking in the communion might become, well, that's the way we've always done it. Baptists are fond of saying what communion is not, rather than what it is. Well, Baptists have said, it's not the real presence of Christ, I'll tell you that. It's just a memorial and a sign. Baptists say, it's not transubstantiation, The elements do not miraculously transform into Christ's body when certain words are said. God isn't really present in the bread and the wine. You know, the more I've thought about this old insistence, if you might put it like this, that God doesn't show up in communion, the more I resist it. I guess that makes me a good Baptist to be a contrarian. Because it's true, isn't it, that God can show up in communion. I, mean, I think we're quick to say that God is present in all kinds of places and in all kinds of ways in our life. When I squeeze your hand in the hospital room and we acknowledge God's presence, we knew all along that God was there from the beginning, didn't we? Uh, when we walk outside on a beautiful day and feel the wonder of God's presence, we knew all along that God was there from the beginning. And it was just us who showed up. God can be anywhere, anytime, except, many believe, here, at this table, in the bread, in the cup. But in the gospel reading we heard this morning, God did show up. Jesus had invited the 12 disciples to a Passover meal. They thought they were invited to supper to remember the delivery of the Israelites from their slavery and bondage in Egypt. It was the appointed time. It was, after all, an ordinance to observe Passover. And at this supper, Jesus told them something, well, you just heard it, that rocked their world. He said, one of you will betray me. And they each took a turn around the table, denying that it would be them. They went down the line, every one of them, and they said, surely not I. I figure most of them were shocked by the notion that they might betray Jesus. 
Surely not I, Lord. I mean, have you reviewed my resume? Top of my class in disciple school. Best fisherman in the Galilee. I've killed more sick people than you can imagine. I stay prayed up. I even got baptized. You hear what they're saying? They're saying, I'm worthy, Lord. I earn my place at this table. My righteousness has merited entry to the table of the Lord. And that's a danger, isn't it? When, when we come to the table because we're still coasting on our own righteousness, our years of service and prayer have finally paid off. Now we're ready to receive forgiveness, reconciliation, and God's grace. You know, I heard a story once of an interim pastor uh, at a Baptist church, and it was Communion Sunday, the Sunday he showed up to start his interim pastorate. They served communion, and only a very few members walked up to receive the communion. Most stayed behind, didn't receive the elements. And the pastor asked one of the deacons after the service, hey, what's going on with this congregation? And the deacon said, well, in this church, only the worthy partake in communion. You know, the more a community emphasizes its righteousness, the more it will exclude those it deems to be unworthy from the table. There's a name for that. You know, it's called fencing the table. It's when you put a fence up around communion. Only those who are worthy may come forward. And I think perhaps the 11 disciples had erected a fence around communion. They thought they'd earned a spot at that table, and their worth meant that others weren't invited, or so they thought. But then it came time for Judas to speak, and I believe he was in a different place than the 11. Because I believe Judas was weighed down by a sense of shame and guilt. And perhaps he already knew in his heart that it would be in his nature to betray Christ. Perhaps he did not know how to stop the train of events that he saw coming from occurring. And so he asked, surely not I. And I believe that question came from a place of great unworthiness. Like he couldn't believe he had been invited to the table, knowing what Jesus knew. And that is the flip side of the coin. You know, if one human tendency is to exaggerate our self-righteousness, it is perhaps an equal tendency to exaggerate our unworthiness. Because after all, God knows who we really are. As the psalmist said, you have searched me and known me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. Those who think they're not worthy can barely approach the table or won't at all. Or perhaps they, they can't believe that the gospel says that grace is a free gift. They just can't believe that despite what they have said or done, there is forgiveness of sins for them, too. Maybe that's what Judas was thinking. Jesus told his disciples at his supper that there would be a new covenant. You know, the old covenant was contingent upon keeping the law, but Jeremiah had prophesied, prophesied a new covenant coming. And this one that Jesus proclaims means forgiveness for all. That's the kicker, all are invited to be part of the covenant. If you don't believe me, ask yourself, who did Jesus invite to the table? Surely Jesus wouldn't invite a betrayer, not one who would turn over the Lord of all creation for a paltry sum of 30 pieces of silver. Well, of course, Judas was invited to the table. And despite knowing that Ju Judas would betray him, Jesus still offered the bread and the cup. Well, well, surely those who had abandoned Jesus are not invited to the table. Those who would desert him at his greatest hour of need. Well, you know, each one of those 11 abandoned him, and they were still invited. Well, well surely not one who has denied Christ, denied Christ over and over again, surely not that person. They're not worthy of communion. But Peter, 
was at the table too. All were invited to the table. You know, one time Jesus told a parable about the kingdom of God. You know this parable. Somebody threw a big dinner party, and there was a big invitation list. Evites were sent out. There were these hard copy ones, too, with a nice calligraphy, the scented paper you could hold in your hands and clip to your refrigerator. But everybody was too busy. The lamest excuses. I just bought some oxen, can't come. Hey, I got married two months ago, can't come. And so the host of that dinner party sent out invitations to the poor and the unwashed and the unworthy people of the streets. Those passed out in ditches with a bottle of wild turkey. Those holding the cardboard signs under the intersections asking for money or food. Those in shelters fleeing violence. Those separated from their families by governmental cruelty. All were invited. It didn't matter who they were or what they'd done. Because the table was open. Open to those who couldn't believe that the great unwashed millions were invited to alongside them. Open to those who couldn't believe that grace would be offered so freely to such a sorry sinner as them. A table so full of grace and love that it cannot be captured by the word ordinance. It is not a command we blindly follow. It is an invitation to wholeness and reconciliation, redemption, and forgiveness. And this same Jesus who told his disciples that he would never leave or abandon them. This same Jesus who said, where two or more are gathered, there I will be among you. This same Jesus who, when he gathered his disciples together, said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This same Jesus who will show up today and is here now, promising redemption, promising wholeness. Yes, God is with us at this table. Thanks be to God. Amen. It is our tradition that whenever a word is offered that an opportunity to respond is given. That may mean turning your will and life over to Jesus, or that may mean that you're ready to join our church, and we welcome you at this time. As we sing the hymn, we'll sing 772, For the bread which you have broken. I love that middle verse, By these pledges that you love us, by your gift of peace restored. May we experience restoration around the table this morning as we sing 772 and let us stand.
want to share with you a few concerns and celebrations, uh, announcements this week. Um, you've heard about many of these uh, at the beginning, but just to reiterate, this will be our last Sunday in the chapel. Next Sunday, we'll gather for worship at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. Join us. All are invited for our church school kickoff next Sunday, September 9th, and that will be a potluck uh, breakfast beginning at 9.30 in the fellowship hall directly below us here. Bring your favorite uh, breakfast item and uh, come for fellowship and come for a special game that we have offered. That's a big uh, spoiler alert for the big time game, yeah. I'm still waiting uh, for about two people to play kickball. And uh, is Josh Davis here? Josh? Oh, there you are, Josh. Thank you for volunteering, raising your hand. All right, we've got a team now to play kickball against the Lutherans. Uh, later this month, uh, so kind to volunteer. Uh, we join in prayer with many in our congregation who are recovering from surgery, from illness, uh, and who are mourning uh, the death of loved ones, those who have lost relatives uh, this past week. Our prayers have been with you, and we lift you up. Um, we continue our worship, too, as we continue our praise and prayers with special offertory music by Jada Getze. Let's continue our worship.
God, we have been fed and nourished by word and music and fellowship, and we're about to be fed at your table. Come live among us and help us to feed all who we meet this week and take these gifts and use for service in your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. At this time, we'll observe Holy Communion. We'll take communion seated in the pews, and the words for communion are printed as an insert inside your order of service. Uh, all are invited to the table. If you could read responsively with me. The peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing, Please be seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ, our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, Mary Francis, can you help me? The gifts of God 
for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and in hope. As Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
as Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let us stand for prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Pastor James has been at a family reunion with his sister in Louisiana, and uh, join me this week as we pray for a safe uh, return travel for James, and uh, thank you to Mary Frances for being a wonderful worship leader this morning, and, and for other assists. Now hear this good word, and now to the one who by the power at work among us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ever ask or imagine. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Amen. <laughs> 